I invite you, if you're able, to rise in body or spirit as I share with you a, a reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I'll be starting in chapter 1, I'll begin at verse 10 and read through verse 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel. And not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Here is the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation and understanding. Amen. Paul has had enough, could you tell? He done told him so. He couldn't be there in person, so he wrote this animated letter. They had competing ideas, it seems. They were creating hierarchies within their own ranks that were not healthy. They were seeking to one-up the other in their interactions as a family of faith, either by their good deeds or by other things that would make them more important Christians. It's so hard to leave that stuff at the door because we live, like the Corinthians did, in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. And, and so to defend their own divisive behaviors and opinions, they were, well, they were tossing around former ministers' names. Oh, yeah? Well, Pastor Paul, he's the one who baptized me. Oh, really? Well, I always came back in the church way back when Reverend Apollos was here, back before y'all picked that stupid color of the carpet. Then someone got the idea that's to just go ahead and stamp the biggest name on themselves. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm Jesus' favorite. He told me to dream. It's easy to laugh. It's a little humorous if we're being honest. But, you know, the truth is, Conflict and division, whether we're talking about in the church or any place, just is about the most miserable thing that we can experience when it's up close and in person, but it's especially dangerous in the church. So the Apostle Paul is calling on them to sort of douse the fuses they've lit with their fiery rhetoric by using the living water of unity. Now he's calling on them to be, as he wrote in verse 10, did you catch it? 
united in the same mind and purpose. He's writing a letter to do it because that's the only way he can get word over there. He's begging them on parchment. He's hoping from afar that these people will adult and that they will shape up, that they will get it together because he's a very busy church planter. He's out there planting new congregations, trying to get them going, and he's trusting that this one that is already well-established in Corinth will quit it, cut it out. Stop sniping at one another, that they'll get on to better things and do what, uh, kind of, we don't have a way to say it exactly the same way in English, but the word in original Greek that was translated from here, the word for united simply means quite literally in Greek, this word, to restore their relationships to order from disorder. Now, if you think about the relationships in our lives, not just church. We've all had these rather tense moments in various relationships. No elbows, please, if you're sitting next to someone with whom it's happened. Okay, maybe a little elbow, it's fine. Uh, Where we are quite sure something or someone is very wrong, but no one is really willing to talk about it. And so it happens all the time with spouses or significant others or friends or co-workers. And when we're young, it happens at school with other students or our other friends. And so basically anyone else we share life with, if we're being completely mindful of reality that we live in, someone says or does something that causes hurt or division. Someone says or they do something that causes us to feel less than someone else, disrespectful. Someone else decides to, you know, go it alone instead of consulting all the other people of which we're usually one. And there are hard feelings that take root. And then, to make it really awkward, sometimes we complicate matters and there are no actual hurt feelings on the part of one who might have every right to be hurt or feel disrespected or left out, but we just imagine there are hurt feelings, and then we act weird. We don't talk about it, but we sort of tiptoe around imagining all kind of feelings someone else has had, and the truth is later we find out they never had those. That's weird. That's awkward. But the thing is, it sort of creates an elephant in the room, and the longer that no one talks about it, that little elephant, turns into a big elephant. And pretty soon, it's calling the shots, even though it never says a word. Now, there's nothing quite as ugly or quite as painful as division and disunity within the life of the church. The church, after all, is supposed to be a fellowship that is supposed to be set apart for sacred things and and bring healing and wholeness to the world. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah? But the church can easily become a weapon of mass destruction when divisions creep in. Because when we get relationships wrong in the life of the church, not only are relationships with individuals within the church strained or harmed, but sometimes people end up giving up on God or the church altogether as a result of the ugliness and the nastiness and the conflict and the disunity that they have seen in the church. Why don't you go to church? I've seen too many Christians, they say. 
Unity, then, is a sacred trust. And reality says, we'll never get unity 100% right. But folks, we had better be striving with diligence to nurture unity, to foster unity, to, to work towards true unity, lest we cause serious harm to one another and to the, cost of, to the cause of Christ. Our calling, our community, our integrity, like the Corinthians, our witness to the world, all depends on our unity. There's really no way around it. I'm pleased now to share some excerpts by video with you, about five-minute excerpt of a 30-minute conversation uh, with my colleague and friend, the Reverend Kelly Becker. Now, like myself, Kelly graduated from Phillips Theological Seminary, and then Reverend Becker accepted a call to come and serve as the senior minister of uh, Disciples Christian Church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, about six years ago. And at the time she accepted the call, their congregation was on the brink of closure and collapse after a period of great division and great disunity. And the search committee told her when she, uh, they called her that they had enough money if they leveraged some assets to keep the church open three years, but that she should be prepared to be the minister to graciously help them turn their lights off and close the church. However, six years later, they have one of the most vibrant congregations in all of Northeast Oklahoma, certainly in Bartlesville. They have had to add, in fact, numerous staff positions, including a full-time associate minister, in order to just keep up with their growing ministries. Now, I don't want to make any illusions. Like myself, Reverend Becker is not perfect, nor is Disciples Christian Church perfect, just like New Covenant Christian Church is not perfect. But I want you to, I want to know, you to know, I hope you'll listen closely because Reverend Becker and Disciples Christian Church gets it when it comes to unity. Listen closely, and I'll be back up in a few minutes. One of the last times we were able to share um, in-person time together, you said some, what I thought were pretty amazing things about unity. Do you think you agree or disagree that sometimes division can be easier to name when they're out there? I think I agree with that. Um, and I think the reason that I agree with it is that when we start um, having to look in the mirror from a congregational standpoint, it feels very personal to begin to take apart why we are not unified on whatever it is. But I, I also think that we can have unity and also disagree on things. But I do think it's important for us to, to talk about the ways in which we disagree. And I think it's, it's the work that we have to do in congregations to decide, you know, what, what does it mean when we say that, say that unity is important to us? Anytime we can bring something out of the shadows, um, we are better for it. And so to be able to name those things and talk about them, even if the goal isn't to agree on them, but, you know, the whole seeking to understand and when we don't talk about things, we can't possibly understand them. And sometimes in the talking about things, I think things change. 
you know, I can remember times in uh, my married life where I been, you know, really churned up about something. And then my husband comes home from work and I, you know, say, I, I need to talk to you about this. And then I realized as I'm speaking the words out loud to him that it maybe wasn't worth getting as whipped up over as I had previously been, you know? And so I do think sometimes being in conversation with other people and, and hearing our own thoughts expressed out loud helps us to clarify them for not only the person we're talking to, but also in our own minds. Is there such a thing as false unity? The word I might use instead of false unity would be surface unity, not talking about the things that we know we disagree on and just letting them sort of sit there bubbling below the surface. The being comfortable with um, different voices and different viewpoints is part of the unity of the congregation I serve. We believe that the work we have to do in the world, our purpose, is what we're united on. Reverend Becker, are there some non-negotiables that you, as a pastor and as a leader of a faith community, that you're just really not willing to compromise on when it comes to you know keeping the peace or seeking unity? I will not... Uh, compromise justice for unity. And I think I've said this to you before about our disciples' polity. That's kind of where our polity bites us sometimes, is that we want to appear to be unified so badly that we will brush over injustice to make ourselves look unified. I don't think that's okay. For me, that is non-negotiable. I guess I should say our uh, open table in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is is part of that. Um, you know, it's I, I think of communion in terms of being the center of our life together. And I say this every Sunday, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you've said, or what you believe. You are welcome at this table. And I think there's something beautiful about that. I do too. Do you have any words of wisdom for us as a faith family as we continue to strive to be a united community and the kind of beloved community that God desires for us to be? To not forget that everything we do is about relationship relationship with God and relationship with the communities in which our churches uh, are planted and relationships in our congregations. Don't lose sight of the relationship part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, because God has called us to do some really, really important work. And we have to love each other to do that work. And we have to love the people in our communities just love each other and and be okay when you don't agree as long as you can still move forward with your purpose well thank you so much reverend becker you you're welcome i think you're pretty amazing and are doing some amazing work and we hope that uh, we can continue to work in covenant together with uh, through our sister congregations to to make this world a more just and loving place for all
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Reverend Becker as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. And you heard about 20% of the conversation. So this week, if you check your midweek messenger, I'll put a link there where you can listen to all of it or part, other parts of it if you so desire, and uh, we'll share it. Now, I think what the Apostle Paul and Reverend Becker point out is that unity comes not from thinking just alike, but from naming our differences out loud and then centering on the purpose and the work we are called to do together. And the truth is, I want to name some things right now to hopefully, and not in an effort to, to shame anyone, but rather to name them so that we can kind of breathe and move forward. Our congregation has been through an incredibly challenging few seasons of life and ministry. When the previous senior minister left a few years ago, many details were not discussed openly with the congregation exactly how that happened or why. And so fingers were pointed in private and a few in public. Dissension and distrust took root because communication wasn't always open when things got difficult. So some folks left the congregation. Surface level unity kind of was achieved after that, I think, but many things were never addressed. And so not naming differences seems so logical and so easy and convenient when conflicts arise, but it actually takes longer to heal this way when things happen like that. Hard feelings have more soil in which to take root when we just cover them up. When we cover them up without naming them, what we're doing is pushing the seeds of disunity below the surface, and if we're not careful, they grow into something even bigger. Then along came a worldwide pandemic. Great timing. It was hard for every congregation, and for this congregation still with no full-time settled minister, we all did our very best. You all did your very best to stay vibrant and on track with so much up in the air in the world, let alone in the church. Online worship and other gatherings were the main points of contact, the glue that held some things somewhat together. But then, as in-person gatherings became possible, there was division and disunity centered around safety protocols for COVID. There were some nasty meetings where tempers flared, not on purpose, but nonetheless, they were flared. And again, some left our congregation. Not everyone even knew about that. But the truth is, those who did know and chose to stay might be a little hesitant after some of that because damage was done to our unity and our collective trust. We're just naming it today, not to shame anyone. We're naming it today so we can kind of clean the front and back windshields of the car so we can see better what is in front of us and just behind us. Then our congregation voted and called me to be the next senior minister, and while on paper it was basically a unanimous vote, I'm not stupid as I look. I know how these things work. Some just voted yes because you're scared to death of more conflict, and this was the right thing to do. Some had their doubts if I was the right person to call. It would have been unnatural not to have these doubts. Some still wonder if I'm the right person. Sometimes I do. Some have left our congregation because that's kind of how things work after stressful times and transitions in leadership. Some still aren't sure what to make of me a lot of days. But there are also hopeful signs. 
as dozens more have joined our fellowship this past year, and particularly our children and youth programs are brimming with new people and young people, there are signs of life. Now there remain, I'll be honest with you, some potential for real divides and challenges among us. After such turmoil and stress, it is naturally tempting just to hunker down in the bunker to not name the differences moving forward as we encounter them, to certainly not say anything out loud in hopes that we'll just fake it till we make it. Sometimes that works out, but a lot of times it just doesn't. This has been my experience over the last 28 years of full-time ministry is this, that if we make loving one another and every single other, as we like to say here, more important than having our own way, we will see our unity increase and we will accomplish significant ministry together if we will become more concerned with our purpose than with our pride, including pride of who we used to be as a church. Then we'll see our unity increase in the present. If justice, doing what is right for the least of these among us, becomes more important than appearing unified on the surface, we will see significant ministry and impact increase. If we are willing to try new things, trust one another in the process, accept newcomers, heck, even let them sit in your seat, literally and figuratively, people. We will see significant ministry and unity increase. And I believe with all of my heart that we are uniquely positioned in Northwest Oklahoma City to be a thriving church known for our love and inclusiveness. And if we are willing to do the hard work of naming our differences out loud and in love as we encounter these differences, rather than pretending everything is just fine, don't ask me about it, or forcefully trying to, you know, get our own way when we disagree, then we can build on our unity and our congregation will flourish. Our purpose, God's work, is worth the effort it takes to name and work through our differences. The work is too important. In fact, whether we're talking about a church family or a family or relationship at home or elsewhere, when we name our differences, we choose to acknowledge them, respect the other with whom we have a difference, and work through these things in open, honest, mutual respect. Unity always grows. Love wins every single time. We long to be, as we say every Sunday, you heard me say it once today, a faithful, growing church that demonstrates true community, deep Christian spirituality, and a passion for justice. May it be so here and in our lives together in unity and love. Amen.